Hi guys, it's Kara, host of Everyone's Business But Mine. And let's be real, one thing that makes the show possible is by selling sponsorships to advertisers. One way you can support us in getting more sponsors is by telling us a little bit more about yourself. You can do that by filling out a quick survey at the link in the show description. Plus, your answers are anonymous. They'll help us learn what you love most about the show and how to make it even better. The questions will ask you about the things that help advertisers understand the audience. It'll only take a few minutes, and it's an easy way to help the show. So you can find the link in the show description. Thank you so much, and stay tuned for the rest of the show. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Last year, Maylisa had an opportunity to come for six months on her tourist visa. And the plan was to take that opportunity to buy a ring, propose, get engaged finally. And then a month, you know, before she came, I cheated on her. I think, yeah, every couple has their struggles, but I think the struggles that we were having were maybe more directly attributed to some things that I personally needed to work on. Everybody always has things to work on. Yeah, but not everybody cheats. episode of everyone's business but mine with me Kara Berry 90 day fiance edition yes I did hesitate because I forgot the name of the podcast but you know what we're gonna move on let's get into a very quick 90 day fiance happily ever after recap first order of business would be Paul's car that Toyota Tercel of terror what a nightmare he had old fries that he I mean, God knows how long they had been in there, um, that he seemed to just toss over the fence into his neighbor's yard. First of all, Sue, I would sue immediately for destruction of property. Like those fries are probably have some sort of chemical in them, like, you know, some sort of burning agent who knows what the destruction that happened to that lawn after those fries were in there. Ugh, those Applebee's two-year-old fries. Um, he had trash, he had clothes. Karini didn't want to drive in there, didn't want to put poor Pierre in there. She stuck out in the front of his parents' house because he had to relinquish his um, house key because he's so lame and such a loser. 
<laughs> that his parents don't even trust him to even come inside the house when they are not there because they know that he will not leave. He is that much of a 38 year old loser that his mom was like, I'm going to get you a couple days down to the, you know, Staybridge Suites and then that's it. You're on your own. I cannot believe that this man's plan for his his family moving from Brazil to America is I'm going to call my mom the day before and ask her if we can live with her for a little while. Like that's the sign of a true dummy. I can't, I can believe it. I'm not going to say I can't believe it. I can't believe it, but I think I just didn't know the depths to which Paul was this bad. Like I think I thought, okay, maybe he was living with his mom. He's doing what he can. He's, you know, maybe working with his dad's from time to time and he's sending the rest of the money to Brazil to care for Karini. But that's not the case. Like, where's his cameo money going? What is he spending money on? It, it's very weird because we know production is probably paying for their hotel or their flights, his flights to and from America at this point. I, I don't get it. I, you know, and I also like, he said something very horrible, like, like, oh, you used to live in a fucking wooden tent or wooden hut um, back in Brazil. Like, that matters. I'm sure it was way cleaner than this 91 Toyota that you're dumping toxic waste out of right now. Like, get out of here. Get out of here. And I have to imagine he had been talking up America like it was such a great thing. Karini has made it very clear that she really doesn't want to leave her parents doesn't want to leave Brazil. She doesn't want to leave the help that she has for Pierre. And, you know, if they're going to move to America, she deserves every possible luxury, modern luxury that, that she wants, which is basically just like a nice clean home that doesn't have old fries in it and a place for Pierre. That's it. I don't think she's like, and to throw that in, in her face, like, like what like you used to live like a barbarian so you should be fine with my nasty living <sighs> gross and I used to look at their like old apartment in Brazil and be like oh my god this is like a true hoarder's nightmare for me like I can't imagine it but I'm thinking that it, this is more Paul's fault than Karini's like mm, I don't know he's bad <laughs> he's bad man. and the the uh next on the next episode preview where he takes her to a trailer which looks like imagine that trailer that Tan or that a lady she shed that tanya gave to to sinjin like it was that times 10 it, i don't even think part of it had a floor <sighs> this poor girl i can't even imagine <laughs> Um, Angela, let's get to Angela. She managed to con her best friend Jojo into being the witness over in Nigeria for her wedding to Michael. And then her other scene was really just like her, um, she showed her wedding dress to her children <laughs> and got all of those little six kids, um, to like him and haunt, like just 
clap at her and her, um, you know, little cheap crown and her wedding dress and, and just ignoring the straps of her bra. I'm like, just what a mess. But she goes to, um, get a checkup with the OBGYN to get like a, like a test for her possible, like, like an endometrial test, I believe it was. And, um, she was able to scam some nitrous oxide out of the situation, even though the doctor, Dr. Carmela said that this is not necessary. People don't usually need it. Um, listen, Angela lived a beautiful life. And if at 54, she's not able to tote a baby, I think that's okay. She's got kids, you know, most, most women at 54 cannot tote a baby. That's, you know, this, this is how it works. Right. But if she is, if it comes out that she's not able to tote this baby, she's able to tote plenty in that bra of hers. Um, you know, those like old, like when you used to go to the pediatrician and you would sit in the waiting room and they had those like like magazines where you could be like, Oh, there are 15 things in this picture that you have to find them. Like, Oh, find the apple behind the the bush or whatever. And I was able to spot like six or seven things in that bra of hers. Um, a pack of Virginia slims. I don't, I think she does smoke Marlboros, but she just seems like she's got Virginia slims energy. You know what I mean? Maybe, maybe even a cool cigarette if she's having like a, a fun night down to the bar on a Saturday. Um, her car keys, her cell phone. I think I saw Big Ed in there. Um, some mayo for Big Ed. Shelly Miskovich. Has anybody tried to find her in there? Um, the Bermuda Triangle. Just everything. Everything was in there. What? What? <laughs> Has that bra been through enough? Can we take some of the strain off of, off of that Walmart fabric, please? My goodness. Um, who else? Uh, a Swaylu. Wow, y'all. Somebody got a little snippy, didn't he? I was team Swaylu all the well. No, I wasn't. I found Swaylu to be a, a delightful fuckboy. He's a child, and Kalani is his mother. But I also found him to be like, at least he was like lighthearted and and fun. And even though. He clearly has no desire to take care of his own children. <laughs> At least he, he seems like he could make you laugh. And he seems like, I don't know, like he likes to cuddle or whatever. But wow, how the turn has tabled. Crazy. They are, have decided to make the, they've made the decision to not go to Samoa because of Kennedy and the measles outbreak that is there. And they decide to go to take a road trip to California for Oliver's second birthday. Clearly, Asuelu is very mad about this, and apparently when he feels like he is not getting his way, he gets petty. Mm. I, so his mom, excuse me, Kalani's mom is driving. He's sitting in the, the passenger seat. Kalani's in the back seat, you know, titty out for one baby. The other baby's crying. She finally gets him a little bit settled down and is like, please, can we switch places? My back is hurting. Like, this is very uncomfortable for me. And he's like, I guess. But like, you know, as soon as they wake up, they're going to need your boobie. So I don't even know why I would switch places with you. They end up switching places very begrudgingly on his end. And 
then he's like, oh, look what I did. It's so easy for me. This one's asleep. This one's quiet. All I had to tell them is to go to sleep and be quiet. And like, look at how easy it is. And then they get into this conversation about how, you know, is, do you really feel like being a mom is that easy? He was like, absolutely. It's much easier than what I have to do. What, uh, shilling free yogurts to people at the health store. Okay. Um, and then he goes on to even dig himself in further by saying, oh, um, you know, being an American mother is so much easier than being a mother in Samoa. And because you guys have machines, you guys have dishwashers and laundry and you can just throw things into machines and like it's so much easier, which like makes a tenth of a percent of sense. Like, yeah, I imagine they, you know, his mother probably didn't have the modern luxuries, but you're still ra- raising two kids Plus a man who's a complete non-starter. Like, don't even part your lips to talk about how easy your life is when you're not paying rent. <laughs> you're working part-time. And then when it's, you get home, you go to play volleyball. Like, you're in the summer episodes of Say by the Bell. Like, your life is great. You don't even live like a 23-year-old. You're living like a 17-year-old on summer vacation. Like, get out of here. Um... Then they get into, you know, I was in, Kalani was like, I was watching the kids while they were sick and I was sick and I was getting up for them. And were you getting up for them? He's like, sometimes. And she's like, no, that is a lie. And he's like, then he goes, you're a fucking lying bitch. (gasps) In front of her mother, in front of his own two sons. Now, granted, his sons don't understand, but you're having the shit fit because because you're you got caught in a lie of not raising your kids so you call your wife a bitch (laughs) I die I can't even speak like I could not even believe that her mom was able to be that calm. I would have gotten off on the side of the highway and been like, get the fuck out. And she said it rightly. Like you say that stuff to me, say it in front of my husband. Then if you are so, you know, if you think that it's okay to call my daughter a bitch, then I dare you to say that in front of my husband. Like, and we know that is not going to work out well. They get to the house that they rented for that weekend and Kalani tries to have a conversation with him, you know, like, let's just make the best of it. It's our son's birthday. The family's going to come here and be there. And like, you know, let's just try to make the best of the situation. He completely shuts down, goes back into the house, um, grabs his phone, says, oh, I'm just going to grab my phone grabs the rest of his luggage and walks out, walks out to the point where he ends up finding a random city bus in wherever the fuck California they are and just hops on the bus. The lady was at the end, like about to start her new route. And he's like, I'm just going to go with her again, like a complete child. Like, is this a big situation? Like, is he have the Tom Hanks body? But the body of who, whatever kid was in that movie, like, what is happening here? The, and the producer, he takes the mic off and producers, uh, you know, take the mic from him. And they're like, well, are you going to go to Utah? He's like, yeah, I think so. <laughs> like, uh, sir, 
Do you think that the city bus in California is going to take you back to Utah? How are you? The city bus doesn't go to an actual bus depot. <laughs> Did you think that the $2 that you paid is going to get you across state lines? Oh my God. Even if she, even if the bus driver told him, uh, uh, he's a child. He, I mean, <laughs> he's just a, a real child. Um, then, okay, who else do we have to talk about? Oh, just Larissa, I guess. She has gone into full stalker mode with Colt and his new girlfriend. And <laughs> we see a, a clip of her looking at a picture of them together, of Colt and Jess. And she <laughs> she zooms in on his legs. <laughs> if you knew what Colt's legs look like, you would know how fucking funny that is. Like, it, what a choice. What a choice of a body part to zoom in on. So it turns out that she actually reached out to Jess on social media and got her number and wants to have a conversation with her. So she calls uh, the number. She's got her saved in her phone as Colty Gal. And they have this conversation. Like, if you guys are both Brazilian, why don't you just speak Portuguese to each other? Like, why are you guys bro- both speaking English? It, it just seemed like a very difficult conversation when you guys fluently speak the same language. Like just speak Portuguese. I, I didn't understand it. Um, so then she tries to say like, you know, I, I just trying to warn you about Colt, but this is like, not like an altruistic situation. Like clearly she's jealous that Colt has been able to move on and that she hasn't found some rich man to scam yet. And, but you know what? She also has some points. She says that Colt is like a whale, something that everybody <laughs> something that everybody thinks is like safe and cute but like he's really actually a dangerous creature and she says that she was under the impression she thinks that Colt cheated on her which like of course he did and she asked just like oh does does he let you see his phone is he really secretive about the phone and Jess was actually like yeah he is have you met Debbie because she is uh like a wolf <laughs> Um, she is just so funny. She says that Colt is a womanized. He's a manipulative. Um, she is just so funny to me. I love Larissa. She's an anti-hero. Um, the end of her story for the episode was her friend took her to, um, the court to see what is going to be happening with her green card status. She says, you know, this really could be my last time, like, take my phone because, or take the lawyer's number, I'm going to send it to you because I could end up just being deported right now, and I could never see you again. So that was really the end of the episode. I I mean, I I really tried to, like, not look up spoilers, but I feel like if Larissa had been deported, that would have been pretty big news, so I assume that she has not. Anyway, you guys, let's get to 90 Day the Other Way. Let's start with... There was no Yasin and Brittany this week. Jenny and Smeet seem to have the shortest storyline, so let's start with them. So we get we find out... We catch up with them the next day. Um, 
Jenny's first full day back in India. Thank God for everyone. They did not make Whoopi the night before, so I don't have to talk about that. But this day is for exploring the area. I'm just now realizing how that sounds. It's not what I meant, you pervs. Um, <laughs> they're going to be exploring the neighborhood. The first little B-roll that we get, the first little clips of the neighborhood we get are two men fighting. <laughs> Like a knockdown drag out fight that they're having in the street just randomly and a monkey chilling on top of somebody's car. So I'm like, hi, this is going to be great. Um, Jenny has slunk into her nicest ripped skinny jeans for the occasion. She's got a, a nice little, you know, high, high messy bun happening. And they go grab two teas and sit on a bench where somebody has really added to the local, um, you know, the local artist is added to the flavor of the the area by spitting out tobacco right next to the bench that they're sitting on. Um, Jenny immediately goes in and is like, I need to see these divorce papers. And Smeet's like annoyed right off the bat. And he's like, I, she doesn't understand. Like, I can't just, you know, if we're in the middle of the process, it's not over. I've told her that she was very clear on the fact that it's not over and I can't just like give her papers that are saying like, Oh, we're at step five of 23 or whatever. Like that's just not how it works. You'll get the paperwork once it's completed. There's no like interim paperwork that I can show you that would prove that I'm getting a divorce, but they make, he compromises with her and is like, you know what? We can go to the court together and I will show you. That there's nothing that I can show you at this point, but it will at least ease your mind on the fact that I am, I have filed for divorce and that is underway. So they agree to that, but Sumit's having enough of her. And I don't think we've ever seen Sumit like really be annoyed with Jenny in this way. Um, which like, okay. If you set a precedent of being a liar you can't really get annoyed when people want to double check and make sure that you're telling the truth. Like, sorry, dude. Um, speaking of setting precedents, let's get to cheese stick, Tim and Melissa. Um, so Tim's mom, Robin came over from Alabama to help him pack. And also she and her friend are going to be going to, uh, Columbia with him to help him get settled. So we find out that Melissa was supposed to come to America for six months the year before so they could kind of like figure out their relationship, get into a groove. He was going to propose so she was going to come on a tourist visa. He was, you know, the plan was he would propose and then she would come back, I guess, on the K-1 visa and they would get married. And but he cheated on her a month before she came. Robin, his mother this is why this man is the way he is because of his mother. His mother is a complete enabler. She's like, you know what? I'm just worried that Melissa is, um, wants to control you and that she's getting you to move to Columbia so she can like get more control. I think this is really like a power play and that she doesn't really give to you as much as she gets from you. How was this her fault? I'm so confused. Tim then go meets with his therapist, Beth Ann. 
recommended by that manipulative monster, Melisa, to help him process the fact that he cheated on her. And Bethann, Dr. Bethann asks if, you know, asks about the cheating and is like, do you have questions? Do you guys have like an open dialogue about it? And Tim says that they go back and forth on whether or not that's healthy for her to like know the details of his cheating situation. Listen, you little brief faced bitch, you're answering any questions that I have to make me feel comfortable. And Bethany agreed. I mean, she said it a lot more eloquently than Iris did, but she agreed with me. And then he reveals that they don't say I love you anymore and that he needs to hear it to make him feel confident that moving is a good idea. So let's just, let's just go through the list here. You cheated on her a month before she was supposed to come back to start your real life together. You push back when she asks you to tell her what happened. You stop saying I love you. And now somehow you're the one who's insecure that she is not giving enough. Oh, and then he says that he's keeping his job and his house in America And it's because he's worried that he's not going to find a job in Colombia. The real issue is, is that he says like, well, I do see the, the contradiction in the situation, but you know, like, oh, well, (laughs) me and Beth Ann are like, bro, you know how this looks, right? You know that she wanted a full commitment from you and that was you moving to Colombia and you guys having a real life. Does that really make sense to me? No, because if he's going to cheat on you in Texas, he can easily cheat on you in Colombia. But with that being said, if you had made the decision to completely go all in with this woman, you have to go all in. You can't have this whole life in America while you're trying to make a life with her in Colombia. Like, what do you mean? Like, if I heard that some dude was even, like, even if she lived in California, to find out that you kept your job, kept your place, you don't tell me you love me, you are the one who destroyed our relationship, you don't even make me feel secure by saying that you still love me, and you don't see how that's all of your fault? Like, if, unless something we're if there's like a picture that we're not seeing about Melisa, I'm not seeing it at the moment. But the truth of the matter is, he made the choice to cheat on her. He made the choice to blow up their relationship a month before she got there, and now he's doing all these things to prove that he's got one foot out the door. And I, I don't see how he doesn't get that. How much therapy has this man been to? <laughs> it doesn't seem like very much. It doesn't seem... Beth Ann seems very disappointed in him, frankly. She really did. Mm. Um, Let's get to Ariella and Benyam. So, baby cool Benyam is on his way to pick up Ariella. And he's really excited, but he's nervous about meeting her mom. 
So then we see them, you know, do the classic 90 day fiance. Oh, they see each other walking. She's walking out of the airport and they hug and kiss. And like between her talking head lipstick and the shirt that she wore for this whole trip, like Ariella really seems to be tied to the color magenta. And I'm just like, is there something that we can be done about that? Just a question. I don't think it's her. I don't think it's anybody's color, really. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. I don't know. Um, her mom is happy that she's like, you know, I'm happy that he seems so happy to see her initially, but like, I still don't know you girl. So, you know, I'm still a little bit suspicious. Ariella gets very overwhelmed (laughs) very overwhelmed and I don't want to I mean she later says that she had a panic attack or an anxiety attack so I don't want to like discount that but so apparently what happened is she sees him and they have not seen each other in three months but when they were together the last time he had these like longish dreads but now he's cut the dreads off so he's got more of like a you know just like a short cropped cut So she's like, I can't even look at you because you just look so different. And then it gets into this whole, like, what if he's not the man that I expected him to be or the man that I thought that he was? And (laughs) what? (laughs) Like, he just cut his hair. That's okay. He's like, he looks so skinny and just different. And I'm just like. Have you guys not, like, video chatted? Has he not sent you a picture? But even if he hadn't, I don't think you can take the fact that he cut his dreads off as the fact that he is, like, a completely different person now and that he's going to treat you differently. Sweetie, are you okay? (laughs) They get into the car and then she starts crying and talking about how upset she is. Now, again... I don't have anxiety attacks or anything like that, but I think there's got to be a difference between just feeling overwhelmed and saying that you're upset, right? Like, you shouldn't be upset at the situation. I totally get feeling overwhelmed, like, oh my god, I'm moving here now, and it's this is like my real life here, and I'm trying to make a real life here, and this is like a culture shock. To be upset with him about it, I just thought was a very, it was interesting. Oh gosh, you guys. 
it only gets worse from there. <laughs> so they drop her mom off at her hotel. And then they're going to visit the apartment that Binyam got for them. Ariella says, like, on the way, she's like, you know what? I hope that I like it, because if not, I'm going to punch you right in the face. <laughs> oh, sweetie. And she's worried that, like, she's like, you know what? I did have a lot of requirements, and I worry that, like, maybe those got lost in translation, or maybe he doesn't take them as seriously as I um, I'm hoping he did, but I would like for him to, I, you know, I need running water. I need hot water for me and the baby, you know, just like, you know, fairly basic accommodations. Like, I just want to issue a, a warning because I don't want it to come off like I'm being like an ugly American Truly, like, I understand that I'm fully spoiled, that I, you know, am completely conditioned to the fact that, like, I've always lived in nice, good conditions. I've always had running water. I've always had, like, a full bathroom. I've never had to worry about these sorts of things. And things are very different in other countries. Like, I get it now. I totally get it. So... Before I say these things, I just want to make it clear. Um, so they get to the new apartment. And first of all, she says a couple things to him. First of all, she says, you understand that I don't want to live outside with the cows, right? Girl. Yeah, I think he gets it. He doesn't live outside with the cows, ma'am. And so then they go up to the house and as they're walking up there, she's like, I mean, it was, it wasn't like, she had to like, they were in like a weird alley, but it was really just like a sidewalk. And I mean, like literally it was on the side of the house next to a fence. So it wasn't really an alley because on the one side was fence, but on the other side was like the yard, the property. Um, and she says something like, uh, are you gonna, like, why are you taking me down this alley? Are you gonna be, are you gonna cut up my body? Excuse me? <laughs> so, then they walk in, and she's smiling real big. That real big smile of, like, oh, no. I don't, I can't do this. I don't like it. <laughs> but I'm trying to be polite because I am in a relationship with this man. So, uh, the, you can't call it a studio. It was a bedroom with a small couch in it. it. And it just seemed like, from what I saw, there wasn't like a kitchen. It looked like a bedroom and a bathroom. It also looked like somebody lived there. And it looked like they were just crashing at this place because the decor was, it just looked very lived in. And by that, I mean like somebody definitely lived in it. I don't know what happened to this person, <laughs> but now they're living in it. It didn't even seem like, I don't know if the sheets were washed. I, I mean, the bed was made, but it just gives you that vibe of like, this doesn't look, I mean, I understand that this place is not going to be up to Airbnb standards, but 
it literally looked like somebody's place. They had their decorations up. They were not even really that neat of a person. And now you're just walking in on their bedroom. Bad enough, right? So and then she's he's like, well, let me show you the bathroom. She's like, okay. She's like, because we can negotiate. We can take these like fake roses, dollar store roses off. You know, I can make this work. But the bathroom is a non-negotiable. So let's go. So she takes about two steps into this bathroom. And her description is like, it looks like the bathroom from Zaw. And she puts both of her hands, like, on her chin, like, oh, no. Like, I can't believe what I'm looking at, but I also can't believe that I have to go out there and tell this man that this is a hellhole. The bathroom, there didn't seem to be any real natural light. I mean, I understand that they got there at night, but it didn't seem like there was any natural light. The toilet did not have a toilet seat. There were rows and rows of, like, racks and racks of shoes. Um, I don't know if those are Binion shoes. <laughs> if there were, uh, there was, like, a very clear, <sighs> I don't even know what to call it. <laughs> it's just, like, there was so much gunk around the bottom of the toilet, like, Black, there were no lights, but you could see that there was like black gunk and it looked like mold at the bottom of the thing. Sweetie, I would have booked a cab back to my mom's hotel and an Expedia ticket back to New Jersey. <laughs> Whatever the Ethiopian airport code is. Back to Newark, EWR, quicker than Usain Bolt would have been able to cross the finish line. Done. Not doing it. Done. I've got my doctor dad at home for me. Can't do it. Love you so much. We'll see if you can come to America, sweetie. I'm not going to the bathroom in a toilet. It doesn't even have a toilet seat. Oh my god. It didn't even look... It looked like it had never been cleaned. It... it I, I'm just like very particular. And I feel like I'm kind of like Robocop. Where you can scan things and you know things that are dirty. Like I know... I have friends. All of my friends like I love them dearly. But a lot of the reason why I love them is because I know that they're clean. <laughs> I would have no problem eating their food. I would have no problem using their restroom. I know that these people are clean. God help us. God help us. Y'all, one time, this is giving me flashbacks. So I have a pet sitting business. And there are two instances in which I was like, I cannot. <laughs> I cannot. One of it being, both of cats, one of it being this lady who lives on the Upper West Side. I get in there. It's a gorgeous building, like old school, like art deco style building. And the 
interior was like all marble and super nice. Everything, the hallways and the doors had just been like redone, like totally redecorated, but still in that like kind of old New York style. And I'm walking down the hallway and everybody's got these like beautiful, brand new, gorgeous doors that have been repainted, except for this one door. It was like a horror film. Come to find out, it was my new client. So I get, I mean, in this part, this is part of Manhattan where it's like, you, every, like, everybody that lives there does well from themselves. Unless you're one of those people who have been living there since like the 70s or the 60s and like your apartment is the exact same way. It looked like <laughs> the apartment was like a beatnik apartment, apartment from like the 50s. And it, like, no light had come in since then. That was the, the vibe that I got from the... It was giving me the flashbacks from that. There was another one in Harlem of this lady who, like, worked for Cornell. So I was like, oh, cool. She's been really great. I didn't go to the apartment. She just gave me the keys. I get to the apartment. Yo, guys. The... Cl she had clothes? Let's say the ceilings were 10 feet she had a pile of clothes that went up all along the wall in the corner of this room to about maybe a foot and a half to the ceiling so we're talking eight and a half feet worth of dirty clothes <laughs> she had never once cleaned the stove cleaned the bathroom there were flies I mean you would have never known that this woman had like a, a pretty decent job at a very good large company like like a scene from hoarders both of these women so I get it I understand being in the situations where you're like oh <laughs> but I can't get out of it because it's too late because there are animals involved. In this case, the animal is Ariella's baby. <laughs> Just a horror show. So I totally understand Ariella's position of being like, fuck, how do I, how do I live? How do I live? Oh my God. <sighs> Let me just like put some brain bleach on the situation. Let's get to Armando and Kenny. Loves of my life, who again had me welling up with tears in all of their scenes. I don't know how that they do this, pulling on my heartstrings. Ugh. Ugh. Just, ugh. I just love them so much. The first thing we see is Kenny, excuse me, Armando. Armando is with his daughter Hannah. He takes her down to the park to break the news about them moving and they're, they're going to be moving with Kenny. So they always, they seem to live in like a very communal sort of situation. Like the whole family, they have their own individual houses, but it seems like, you know, his sister still lives on the property. He still lives there. His job is there. His parents are there, his sister's kids. So they have like, you know, like a pretty good setup in terms of like family and community. So he was very nervous about like, you know, Hannah, moving because that meant she's going to be away from her whole family, her cousins, her aunt, 
And he was just very nervous. First of all, Hannah looked so cute. She had a little bow in her hair. Little cute, like, Jamboree-style outfit. Like, the coordinating shirt and top and, like, pants. Ugh, she's such a cutie. And she just seems so sweet. So he pushes her on the swings for a little while. And then he's like, okay, let's sit on the bench because I want to tell you something. So, Hannah, like, what... I, I have something to tell you, um, but, like, what is the one thing that you've always wanted, like, the thing that you want the most? And she's smiling, and he's like, Kenny, right? And she's like, yeah, like, she she nods, and he's like, I know that your biggest dream was to, for us to all live together, for me to Kenny, and you to all live together. And he's like, so we are, and it's going to be happening in two weeks. And she jumps up and, <laughs> <gonna cry. laughs> She jumps up and down and hugs him. And it's so sweet. She's so excited. Oh, my God. The producers get her aside and they're like, how do you feel about moving and moving with Kenny? And she's like, I love Kenny very much. And he's very good to me. And he sends me lots of gifts. (laughs) Sweetie. And I'm just so excited to have two dads and to live with them. Like, baby, sweet girl. Oh, my God. Then we get a scene of Kenny. So it turns out he's going to be driving from Florida to Mexico. And he's planning on clocking, like, 11-hour days. So he's planning on getting there in, like, four or five days max. So he's like, you know, I'm going to be in Alabama, then Texas, and wherever the fuck, and then New Mexico, or Mexico. Um, And then he, we find out he's got a co-pilot, and his co-pilot is a 15-year-old long-haired chihuahua named Truffles. A toothless queen with her tongue sticking out, just like an angel. And he's just like, you know, obviously 15 and a half years old is a long time. For a dog to live. He's like, I just hope that she makes it. Because Armando really wanted to meet her. Hannah really wanted to meet her. And I just want us to all be... (laughs) I just can't. I'm like, I'm like Ariella. Like, I can't even look at the screen anymore watching them. Because they're all so cute. (laughs) They're all so cute. Oh, my God. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, folks, I'm Mark Marin from the WTF Podcast, and this episode is brought to you by Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues, your ally to help tackle your allergy symptoms this season. I love the change of seasons, but nobody loves pollen and all those other things floating in the air that make you sneeze during this nice weather. Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues are hypoallergenic and allergist approved. So fight back against watery eyes and runny noses without worrying about irritating your skin. For this Allergy season, grab Kleenex and face allergies head on. So then we get back to Armando and Hannah. He's packing up 
and we find out that he is going to be going to uh, their new place for a week to get everything settled, to get Hannah's room made up, so they can have some, you know, private time together, he and Kenny, and then he's going to pick up Hannah, and then they're all, you know, that's going to be the beginning of their new life together. So they're packing up his truck, Hannah's helping him, and he, his sister comes out and they have a conversation like, you know, you know, I'm going to be leaving. Obviously, you know, Hannah's going to be here for a week. You're going to be watching her. Um, but dad's not here right now. He knows that today's kind of like the official day that I'm moving. So I'm kind of like feeling some type of way about that. And it's like, but his sister is like, well, mom's here. He's like, well, can you go out and get her? So she comes out and they have this like tearful conversation. Like, I understand that dad's here. You know that I'll I'll be back in a week. So I hope that he'll be here then to say goodbye. And they both hug each other and they cry. And she's like, you know, I, I will speak to him, but he's just kind of, you know, he's processing the situation. And, He's like, you know what? Arnold is like, you know what? I hope you guys will be welcoming to Kenny because next week I am going to bring him back and I want to introduce you to him and I hope that you guys can be kind to him. Um, So then he drives off and everybody's crying except for little Hannah who's probably like, hell yeah, like I'm about to get a new bedroom all to myself and it's going to be decorated by my two dads and this shit's about to be lit. Like take eight days or nine days if you need to, if you need to like do some extra painting, a mural or anything like we're good, dad. I'm good over here. <laughs> She's excited. Um, let's end on Jihoon and Devin y'all. Oh my gosh. So we pick up from last episode, Beth Chapman. And by that, I mean, Devin's mom, Alicia pulls Jihoon aside before they all go and view the apartment. And she's like, you know what? I'm scared. And I really expected you to take care of my daughter and to be a man and to take care of your family. And she starts to cry (laughs) because she's like in the hood, I guess, in the hood of Korea. And Jihoon's parents are even worried. So like, as much as I want to give Alicia shit about this, they're like, hmm, Jihoon, like, you really should have done your research. Like, you could, you should have come to see this apartment before everybody came here. Um, so it's bad. The tension is very palpable. It's very thick. And he, you could tell that he's like feeling the weight of the world on him right now. Um, so he's like, this neighborhood very sucks. (laughs) And I feel like the situation sucks because of me. So then everybody goes inside and apparently it's not at all like the pictures and there's no living room. It just seems like a bedroom or two. The bathroom's not great. It's not like Ariella bad, but it, it's just not a great situation. And Devin's had enough. She's really not happy. Jihoon and Evan start arguing, and Jihoon is like giving his typical spiel about like, oh. I'm going to make everything better. But Devin's like, don't even give me this right now. 
And so <laughs> he goes outside. He runs outside to go cry in an alley. So then we get back with them the next morning and Jihoon, we find out from Devin. Devin's sitting there in the kitchen with her mom and Jihoon said that he was just going to go and get his wallet from his parents. And it's been hours and he hasn't come back. So eventually he does come back and he's like, you know what, we need to talk. So Devin come outside. And Devin's like, you know what? I'm really not happy with you. I was like, I know that I booked this, but like you should have done your due diligence and really looked into whether or not this is like the right place for us to be, the right location, the actual correct apartment. And Jihoon's like, I want to know what Jihoon actually did. Like, did he try to like rob a bank or something? Like, where did Jihoon go? That's what I want to know. Um, he's like, you know, we have to find a new place soon. And she's like, yeah, we do. And you're going to be the one to pay for it. And Jihoon's like, trying, they're trying to have this conversation. But I think, you know, what typically happens when people don't speak the same language, English clearly is not his first language. It's like when you get into these heated conversations, it gets very frustrating to not be able to express yourself correctly um, and to explain yourself correctly and eloquently. So you can tell he's getting really frustrated and Jihoon's trying to say, like, I'm just now getting out of debt from my legal issues last time. And I am also like, what he said, what he, what he said was like, I'm, I paid to get you here. I paid for the marriage. And she's like, no, you didn't. I paid for that. But I think what he was trying to say is like, I'm trying to repay you for that. And like, I'm trying to set forth a precedent of like, now I'm going to be paying for anything. But who's to say? Because Jihoon's clearly been a big liar up until this point. Um, so then he says, don't grumpy stop. <laughs> don't grumpy stop. Um, so like I said, they, they continue having communication issues. So he's got this little like translator. I don't know. It looks like a, like a big Tamagotchi translator. And so they're like trying to talk, but the translator is not even working because Devin's trying to say like what the sentence she's using she's trying to say were but the translator app translates it into war and Jean's like what the fuck is she talking about war for he's getting super frustrated and she's like why did you like you made all these promises like why did you do that why do you continue to lie to me and he's like finally spills beans and is like you know I really just wanted you here and I did lie and I was hoping for the best after that. And he says, if you're not happy, you can go back home. But what I would prefer is that you stay here for a few months and let me start paying for things. And she's like, I don't get it. I don't get it. He's like, what you're not understanding is that I'm trying to tell you that I am broke. I... It's not, she's like, well, what happened to the money that you just got? He's like getting really mad. He's like, you're not understanding like that money went toward my debt. I don't have any savings, but it's also like, you can't really get frustrated with her because you lied to her and told her that you were going to be paying for everything after this month of this rental. So I don't, I just don't understand why they weren't able to have this conversation, but clearly he's been trying to manipulate it. 
giving her false hope, giving her false information that like about his finances and it's pretty fucked. And she's like, you know what? I can't wait. And I'm leaving when my mom leaves. Like we'll be here for a couple weeks and then I'm out of here. And she goes back upstairs. Jihoon smoking a cigarette, talking about his life is fucked. And she is like holding Young and is like, I'm basically in, in between like a rock and a hard place of, I don't have anything to go back to, but I don't have anything here either. And y'all, that was the end of the episode. Oh, what is Jihoon going to do? Mm-mm-mm. All right, y'all. Uh, have a great week. Thank you so much for listening. Thank me for speaking. Bye.